It's a time of great victory. Your past does not have to dictate your future. We are on the solid rock, Christ Jesus. God's got something better for you. We live in a world wrecked by sin. <laughs> it really is. Um, I was, had the weather channel on for some reason, I guess, trying to see what all was going on with this cold front coming through here at this time of the year. And they had this, I guess they have a little series called Would You Survive? Has anybody ever seen that? And so they had this um, up in, in, in the north where there was a lot of snow on the, on the ground. And it was basically showing these um, out on an interstate where people couldn't see, but they weren't prepared. And they were just crashing into each other. And they had a 192-car pileup, 18-wheelers everywhere. It was just a wreck, a mess. And it's just like, in my spirit, it's like, the Lord said, that's just kind of the way it looks. If you could see population and people that way, that's kind of the way it is. This world is a wreck with sin. It really is. Um, you know, it's, um, it's a world of dangers that are all around us and uh, brokenness inside of us. And so we need a Savior. We really do need a Savior. Um, you know... In times in our lives, I mean, things happen all around us, you know, uh, and you hear this question, well, if God's God and, he, and he's a God of love, well, why did he let this happen or why did he let that happen? And, you know, God is a God of uh, love. He does love us, uh, but he's also, he loves us enough to give us, extend to us freedom. And, um, and you always run a risk when you give somebody freedom, you know. How many parents do we have that teenagers are coming up into the house or you've raised teenagers, and you know you have to start extending a little bit of freedom. And uh, you know when you do that, you run the risk that something's going to go wrong because things go wrong, right? So God knows that He knows that things go wrong in this world, but yet He's He would rather do that than just to make us robots, you know, and and uh, just keep us in some um, vacuum somewhere that that uh, we wouldn't be affected by anything. No, he. He knows that no matter what we go through, that we are victorious because he's designed us. So with those things in mind, you know, when we go through these difficult times, I made a little list here like loss of a loved one, um, a relationship breakup, family problems, childhood abuse, loneliness, low self-esteem, self-sabotaging behaviors, fear, mental or emotional health issues, and just go on and on and on about problems. Um, I preached a, a message one time about it was problems and had a little acrostic there. And I said, you know, uh, problems, all God's people got problems. And if you don't have problems, you know, come up and we'll pray for you that you can have some problems because problems make you grow. Problem, <laughs> problems help us. Uh, it helps us to refine us and define us. Amen. Uh, but when those things happen, where do we go? What do we do? How do we... Um, is, is there a protection for us? Is there a place that seemingly that we can go, a shelter that we can be in? In Psalm 46, verse 1, the psalmist is writing, he says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Maybe we'll talk about ever-present in a little bit, but it always sounds like that ever-ready battery. That's, you know, it's always ready that, that's there. But it says, God is our refuge and strength. Now, when you hear the word refuge, what do you think of? What, just, what picture pops into your mind? A shelter, okay, a safe place, a hiding place, mama's house, all right. <laughs> when Sandy and I were in India, 
we came to this one part of, um, we were up in the northern region where the Dalai Lama is, and, and they had a Rajasthani um, camp there. Refu- they were refugees that would come in. And, and boy, when I see the word refugee, I think about refugees, people that are fleeing from hardship and coming someplace that they can be free from all this oppression or something, except these people were being more oppressed as they would come. Uh, in Syria, there's a lot of Syrian refugees that are leaving, trying to find a place because of all the war and stuff that's going on. And that's the first thing that comes to my mind are these refugee camps when I uh, see the word refuge. But a shelter, uh, a safe place, um, you know, somewhere to go that protects us. The, um, uh, this psalm that, that uh, David is writing here, really, it, it's a psalm that encourages hope and trust in God. And I think we need to be reminded of that somehow or another. We need to remind ourselves every day that um, we can have hope in God. Hope is earnest expectation for good, that something good is, is going to happen. And we need to remind ourselves every day that God is a good God. He's a good God. He loves me. He has my best interest in mind. He doesn't, take, uh, he doesn't do away with the problems or the difficulties or the challenges in this life, but he stays with me and he guides me and walks me through the, the difficulties in this life. Uh, so I'm not sanitized, <laughs> I'm sanctified. You know, I mean, I'm set apart for him and he uh, stays with me and he walks this life with me so that I can learn. Um, some of you know I have a German Shepherd pup now she's uh, over a year old but one of the things that i've noticed is that uh, she'd get real aggressive or start to bark when she wasn't sure of something she was uh, afraid of, of something when she um and you know didn't know what it was and so i try to walk her around the yard along the fence line we live out there we have critters that run around all the time and everything so to try to get her used to different things or people and, and kind of socialize her so that she kind of knows what it is i don't want to take her out of those things and and remove her from all these uh things in this life i want to expose her to those so that she can be socialized that she's not afraid of them i want to walk with her through these things and that way she knows how to act and how to respond so that she's you know somebody does come up that she tear their face off or something you know i don't know i want her to not to react to things but to actually know what's going on well in a way i guess if you have to be compared to a dog a german shepherd would be a good one to be uh compared to but god doesn't want to take us out of this world or out of problems and challenges he wants but he will walk with us through them to point out you know this is what this is all about and we grow and we learn and we develop as a human being and as a spiritual being as well that we can uh, learn how to use the promises of God in this life for our good and for those we come in contact with and so um, this that's what this psalm is all about really it's it's one that encourages hope in the Lord as well as to put trust in him what can you trust? What can you really trust in this day and age? Jesus. That's about it. <laughs> that's about it. Um, we know that he, uh, we can trust God uh, in, uh, in through his word, what his word promises, but just in the unknown. When we don't know, um, we can just trust him. You know, there's a thing called providence, which means that providence is, is we believe that there's preparation here for what's going to happen down here. And God knows what's happening down there, so he will prepare us back here to get us ready for what's going on down there. Now, if I remove myself from the preparation here, I'm still going to come 
in contact with this challenge or whatever it is when I get down here, and if I remove myself from this development stage and strengthening stage, your awareness stage, when I get there, I'm not going to be prepared like I should be. That's not God's fault. It's my fault. We always want the easy way out. So what, you know, I, rather than trusting God uh, and expecting him to be my refuge, you know, to keep me, I look at it, maybe I'm looking at it and say, oh, this is tough. So I decide to create my own refuge that I go to so that I don't have to go through that because I just want to be comfortable. I want to be, um, I, don't, I don't want things to be difficult. I want things easy. So I create my own refuge over here. So here I am. So, well, that's cool. I made it through that okay. But what happens? I'm still on this journey. And so when I get down here, I won't be developed in my, my faith or my expectation or whatever when I get to that point because I took myself out of the developmental process. Does that make sense? So think about that as we look at this psalm, kind of break it apart a little bit. And um, as we think about a refuge, and again, as was stated, a safe place, a shelter, the actual definition for refuge is a place or state of safety from danger or trouble. Uh, it, does, it is a shelter. Uh, it can be a condition of being safe or sheltered from pursuit, danger, or trouble. So we need refuge in our life, right? We need a safe place. In Oklahoma, where I was born, but left when I was two and passed back through it later on, but they have a lot of tornadoes that come through there, and uh, especially now after they had that one, oh, what year was that, 2000 or something there in Moore, Oklahoma. My aunt's uh, house is there. She lives there when they had that horrible tornado. My mom was up there with my, sis, uh, with my aunt at that time, and I called her, and she said, yeah, it was horrible, and just blew things away. So now they've kind of made it where they build a safe house or safe room in the houses where you can go to because, I mean, a tornado will take a two-by-four and just send it through that wall like a missile. But, so they, they have this sheltered place. Now you're still in the storm. It's just that you get to the safe place when you're going through the storm. So there's some protection there. Um, so that's, that's what a refuge is. Now, the, as we read there, the psalmist says God is our safe place. God is our shelter from storm and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Do you believe that today? Do you really believe it? So when, it, the, when storms of life come your way, when troubles come your way, do you have to panic? If we panic, that means that we're really not fully trusting him, right? But, um, see, Paul told, I think it was the Philippians, he says, be anxious for nothing. Or in other words, don't get nervous about different things. He said, let your moderation be known to all men. Let your calmness be known to all men because, you know, we belong to the Lord. He's taking care of us. If I'm all shook up, oh, what's going on? It's like, okay, well, I thought you believed in God. I do, I do. And well, evidently you don't trust him because you're shook up. This thing hasn't even hit yet and you're going crazy. You're just acting like, you're, you know, the worst thing's going to happen. Well, if the worst thing does happen, I'm still going to be okay, and I'll, get, I'll be stronger out of it. I mean, death could be the worst thing that could happen, but yet Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. So if he conquered death, what do I have to worry about? Whatever, right? 
I mean, so we should let our gentleness, our calmness, our moderation be seen by people. And, you know, you can't fake that. I mean, it comes, it comes out when the, when, when the going gets tough. I mean, what is it talking about seeing your true colors? Um, when I guess we'd, Life Christian Center was about maybe five or six years old. We'd been in existence about that time, for about that long at that time. Some things were going on. It was actually 1992. And um, there's a guy that, you know, he was always saying, Pastor, you know, I, I got your back. I'm, I'm behind you 100%. Or I'm, I'm behind you all the way. And my question later on was, like, how far behind me are you? <laughs> and, uh, you know, all this big talk, big talk. And um, there was some stuff going on downtown. And um, it, was, it had to do with some of the clinics that were down there, the abortion clinics and stuff. But anyway, without going through the whole, the whole deal, when the, the sh- sheriff's deputies and everybody came out and they were there to arrest people, uh, <clears throat> I looked around and I didn't see anybody behind me. <laughs> and I think there was only like five of us that we went ahead and walked around and, and witnessed and uh, helped, you know, talked to a few people. And yes, I did go to court, but not arrested or anything there to testify. But God was with us. But I got to thinking, you know, a lot of people talk a big talk, but when it really, when it gets down to it, um, where are they? <laughs> where did you go? So, um, you know, if you're confident in the Lord, you don't have to worry about things. And he's going to take us uh, uh, into it, and he will take us through it. Lead us, says. And just as in the prayer, it says, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. Lead us. And it says, Lord, lead us. And so that as we go through these storms, as we, as we go through the difficult times, that we're following you and we don't fall into it. Um, so uh, let's take a look at this just a little bit here. Uh, there's three things basically that happen when you take the wrong refuge. And that's what I, I want to talk about, about um, choosing the wrong refuge. It, it, what we just read, the psalm says that uh, God is our refuge and, and ever-present help in our time of need. Well, what if I decide that I don't know if God's going to be a good enough refuge in this problem and this difficulty? I think I better get choose my own refuge. I think I better find me another one. Have you ever thought about that? Hey, has anybody other than me ever felt like that I need a better safe place? I don't think we, we consciously say, okay, God, you're not doing a good enough job. I'm going to do something else. I don't think we consciously do that, but that's what we're doing, basically. The first thing that happens if you, um, if you take the wrong or choose the wrong refuge is... Um, uh, distance. There's more distance between you and God. Has anybody ever heard of uh, spiritual bypassing? It's not anything new. I think it was first coined back in about 1984. Spiritual bypassing. What it is basically is, um, well, here, I've got a definition for this from the guy that helped coin this word. He talks about spirituality, so he has to define spirituality. The quality of being concerned with the human spirit or soul as opposed to material or physical things. So they're saying spirituality consists of the quality of being concerned more with the, with the spirit and soul uh, rather than material or physical things. But something's missing. It's a good definition. That's pretty much on point. But did you know that you can be pretty much on point uh, it's like that old guy uh, in Oklahoma I was working with him, and, and I, we were building a house, and I said, is that level? He said, well, 
pretty near it, but not plumb. <laughs> what? I was pretty near it, but not plumb. I said, well, what does that mean? He says, uh, almost nearly, but not quite hardly. <laughs> I said, okay, well, <laughs> you know, it's pretty close, but it's not just, you know, locked in. It's not laser locked in. You know, uh, you can be off, like I think Charlie or one of us talking about the golf ball and, and a little message along that line, or maybe it's Dwayne. And, and if that club face is open just enough where that you're off a sixteenth of an inch or a thirty-second of an inch right here, by the time it gets 200 yards down there, how much has that increased? A lot. So a lot of times we, we might be pretty close to it. You know, the devil gets pretty close to things enough to confuse you and make it look right and sound right, but it's not right. What did he tell Eve in the garden? Didn't God say, didn't God say that you could eat of any tree here in the garden? Yeah. Pretty near it, but not plum. <laughs> you know, uh, it's, uh, that's almost right. Well, um, Satan has devised this thing that's uh, his, one of his his choice little plans is this spiritual bypassing. And um, so here it is. The, the, I gave you that de- part of the definition. Here's some more. The search for meaning outside of a religious institution. Spiritual bypassing involves the search for, or with the spirituality. It consists of spirituality. First of all, you've got to have that down. So it's the quality of being concerned for the human spirit or soul as opposed to the material or physical things. And it's the search for meaning uh, outside of religious institutions. Well, I don't have a problem with that because not just because a, something has declares that it's a religious institution does not necessarily make it right. You know, I mean, we've got all these different denominations and everybody has a different viewpoint on some things. So that's close, almost nearly, but not quite hardly. I mean, it's, it's getting there. Um, it also, it considers one's relationship with the self, with others, and nature... And whatever else one considers to be the ultimate, okay? So it, it takes into consideration that you're looking at, at your relationship with yourself, with other people, with nature, and um, anything else in the universe, okay? The goal is living happily and are helping others. So their end result is to just live a happy life and help other people, you know? Like the... the Seven dwarfs, is that who they are with, with Snow White, you know? And they're like whistle while we work, and they're just going off to just, they're just happy, and except for Grumpy, he wasn't too happy, but, and they're just going to help, you know, help somebody. So that's, that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm, okay. And so the way that you do this is, um, the goal is just living happy. So if, no, what does all that mean? Spiritual bypassing is one of the things that creates a refuge for people so that when you're in a troubled situation, a, a difficult time, well, that's not right because my goal is to be happy. So I can't be happy if things are falling apart, right? That's what, that's what they're saying. I'm not saying that that's right. I'm, I'm saying that's what they say. So if I'm in a situation that's not creating happiness in me, then I got to get out of that situation. I got to get me a refuge, a shelter to protect me from that that's not making me happy. Well, you know, I learned a long time ago that if you're waiting for something to make you happy, I mean, it might make you happy for just a couple seconds, but I mean, there's some of you out there, you'll never be happy with it. <laughs> the only thing that can truly make us happy is ourselves. And um, 
So without getting off on that too much, so here's their reasoning. So I've got to, I've got to get out of this situation because I'm not happy here. I'm not happy here. It's, it's tough. And, and uh, what was some of those things that we read? Um, you know, loss of a loved one. Oh, I don't like this situation. I'm not happy. I've got to do something to change that because I've got to be I got to be happy or relationship breakup or all, you know, here we go down the list. And so we've got to have a refuge that takes me out of this situation and puts me into another situation so I can be happy. Um, Spiritual bypassing. So um, using spiritual, and so this is what this spiritual bypassing is all about. By the way, that type of spirituality is what I call Home Depot spirituality. It's a do-it-yourself it's a do-it-yourself spirituality. So I, I just find what I need to, to make, make, you know, make me happy, and then that's okay. It's, it's all within the confidence. It's great. It's legal because it's going to make me happy. Boy, that's a dangerous place. Anybody, none of us, anybody know anybody that they did some things in life because they thought that was going to make them happy? Okay, all right. We'll leave that there. Um, so using so then all this this spirituality as as they just defined it, and I read it to you. They they're using spirituality to avoid. Everybody say avoid. I'll do like Christian. Avoid, suppress, or escape from uncomfortable issues in life. That's what spiritual bypassing is. Uh, using spirituality as defined by to avoid. Uh, suppress or escape from uncomfortable issues in life. Sounds really good. But just because it sounds good doesn't mean that it's correct. I mean, I like the thought. I mean, I don't just like to go out and have uncomfortable situations and challenge difficult times, but yet, um, you know, Victor Frankl, uh, in his, one of his writings, he says, uh, uh, what gives light must endure burning, <laughs> You know, if you're going to give forth light, there's you, you got to endure the burning, right? Uh, so, if I'm going to be a God, you know, a vessel for the Lord, Jesus said, you know, they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. So, let's, here's what here's what Peter said in First Peter chapter four, verse two. You can turn there. Uh, now, remember, spiritual bypassing is uh, using your spirituality there uh, to avoid suppress or escape from uncomfortable issues in life. Peter says, chapter 4, verse 12 in 1 Peter, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate um, in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. You know, so be excited that you're participating in the sufferings of Christ so that, that you can be overjoyed when, when his glory is revealed down here, what he prepared me for here, then his glory is going to be totally revealed, that, you know, as we overcome that thing. Hey, you know, you can rejoice in it now. You can say, oh, man, man, God's uh, going to do something great. I'm, you know that, <laughs> right? So uh, that's what Peter's saying. He says, um, so, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Verse 14, if you are uh, insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of 
glory uh, and of God rest on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even uh, a meddler. Uh, Verse 16, however, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Excuse me, that doesn't sound like avoiding or suppressing um, the situation, the the challenge or the, the problem that comes, does it? So we're not called to suppress or avoid situations, we're called to overcome them. And we say that. But somewhere down inside of us in our subconscious, we still want to avoid, you know, I mean, I'm going to try. We're just made up that way. We want to avoid the, the, the hard stuff, right? Um, so here's another thing. that I, Some of the notes that I jotted down back in the 80s when first looking at this thing um, about spiritual bypassing. Now, what I'm saying is that Satan has, has this setup thing for uh, choosing the wrong refuge instead of trusting God for our refuge and him being an ever-present help in our time of need and him being our strength, Satan has a counterfeit for everything. And so uh, this spiritual bypassing, at its, so- at its very core, spiritual bypassing is like um, any other form of avoidance that rewards us with a false feeling of security and happiness while undermining our deeper path of self-growth and transformation. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That happens through the Word of God, but just because I read the Word of God, that doesn't necessarily tra- transform me right then. It's when I s- apply the Word of God in a given situation that, and I see it work, then I'm really transformed. Does that make sense? So his word says something here. We take that, we hear it, and so that produces faith. But faith isn't faith until it's tested. The trial of your faith works patience and these different things. So until that's actually put to the test, it doesn't become a reality. And uh, so uh, um, in this one thing, Satan wants us to try to find something that where we can bypass the difficulties or the challenges uh, so that we suppress them. Because then when we get to this point down here where we really need to shine, he'll say, <laughs> now watch them. They ain't ready for this. Because they never got um, qualified, so to speak. They, didn't, didn't, they, they missed all the training. Does that make sense? You hear what I'm saying? So he loves to get us to try to avoid or suppress the challenges. Um, and there's all kinds of ways that happen. Now, so when we choose spiritual bypassing, for instance, or something like that, a different refuge, and when I'm trusting in something else, that means that, um, you know, I'm walking in with that now rather than locking in with God, and God looks at that as spiritual adultery. And what happens in a relationship when one of the a uh, person commits adultery, it's not quite the same anymore. The level of trust that was there and all kinds of stuff changed in that relationship. You know what I'm talking about? There's distance there. It creates a distance, it cre- a separation, so to speak. So that's what happens uh, in our relationship with God. So one of the first things that happens when we choose the wrong refuge is... Separation, or not, not separation, but distance in our relationship. 
You ever hear that thing? It's like, um, if you don't feel close to God, guess who moved? <laughs> you know, we went chasing something else. I got to find me another refuge because uh, huh, I don't know about that. We're still going through the problem. I got to find me a refuge out here that's going to be comfortable for me. And what's, things that are, that are comfortable aren't always good. And things that are good are not always comfortable. Amen. All right. The second thing for, um, that happens when you choose the wrong refuge is disappointment, uh, which leads to depression. Um, depression, or, or, you know, well, Psalm 13, verse 2, the psalmist writes here, How long must I wrestle with my thoughts uh, and Every day have sorrow in my heart. This is the psalmist crying out to God. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? Disappointment. Uh, the, the depression. Why? Because uh, I chose the wrong refuge. Here's Elijah. Here's a story for you. Here's Elijah. Calls fire down from heaven. Consumes the prophets. And um, God's man of power for the hour. And um, then Jezebel says, hey, I'm going to make it real uncomfortable for you tomorrow. That uh, you're going to be just like the prophets that you killed. You're going to be dead tomorrow. And so Elijah, God's man of faith and power for the hour, right? I mean, he, this, is a, this, this guy is a, I mean, he is up there. He is a prophet of prophets. He says, you know what? That, looks, that sounds a little uncomfortable to me. Um, I don't know if I want. I don't know if I want that type of thing. I don't want that confrontation. It sounds a little uncomfortable, so I think I'm just going to run, and I'm going to choose a different refuge. God said, "I'll protect you in this thing." I mean, my goodness, um, call fire down from heaven, and so now he can't trust God enough to. I mean, he killed the 450 prophets there on that one thing, and he can't trust God to protect him to be a shelter for him against one woman. Talk about woman power, man. I'm telling you, uh, they have it. So what does he do? He does run. He escapes. He avoids that situation, gets to where he's going. What's the first thing he does? Somebody that knows the story. He goes through. He, he sits under that broom tree. That He sits under the tree, sits there. He's all depressed, all discouraged. And what are the words that he says? Anybody remember that? Yeah, and I just as soon die. There's nobody like me. They've killed all the prophets. I'm the only one left to do any of this. Oh, wine, wine, wine. Here we are. And, and I just assume be dead. He's depressed. He's disappointed. If, when you choose a different refuge, you're disappointed. He chose this, uh, his own, you know, within himself. Um, it, remember, because this is a, a Home Depot thing, right? Because it's a do-it-yourself refuge thing. So he decides, I'll just run, I'll get out of Dodge, and she won't be able to get me. I'll hide, and, and, and uh, man, then everything will be cool. So he does that, and he avoids her, but he's so disappointed and depressed, he's ready to commit suicide. You ever know anybody that got so depressed that they wanted to commit suicide? Um, so What's happening here is uh, you're choosing this wrong refuge. What kind of refuge would that be? A spirit of escape, uh, you know, is, is what's referred to a lot of different times. Getting away from the situation, running from it. Uh, how can you escape um, 
an uncomfortable situation, having to think about maybe a relationship that's, that, that uh, fell apart or problems or financial problems or whatever, all kinds of stuff. What is it that, that people do? How about, um, well, I think I'll just take a little, couple of extra of those, uh, of my prescription meds. And, um, you know, they're legal. It's legal drugs. Um, or, you know what? <laughs> Man, it's been a tough day at work today. Everybody's been on my tail. I think I'm just going to go out and have a drink and just kind of let things just chill out a little bit. Or um, how about, man, I don't know, um, this, you know, we're really, we're really being pressed. I'm so stressed. Uh, you want to go with me? Let's just go, let's go smoke a joint. I'm so stressed. I don't know. We're just going to go do that. Let's just go escape. Let's just go get away from it. Um, or go on the internet and find some site or, hey, how about, Video games or whatever I can get, whatever will just take me away. Used to be Calgon bath. Uh, some of y'all don't know that, but did, it was a long time ago. They used to have that ad on television, Calgon, take me away. And here's this lady in a, in a uh, tub with these bubbles, you know, way up to almost to the ceiling. Just take me away, you know, Calgon. Well, what's wrong with Calgon? Nothing, but when that's your escape, <laughs> you know, and you can't get out of the house because you're trying to avoid the uncomfortable situation. It doesn't matter what it is. Uh, you're choosing a different refuge than God. How about go out before them tomorrow, face them, stand still and know, and see the salvation of your God. How about that? Oh, it's going to be real uncomfortable. <laughs> it's going to be real scary us standing out there and here of all of them. This, that's right, lying and deception. David, uh, I don't know what happened to him as he got older. <laughs> when he was young, he said, I ain't, I'm not going to avoid this. He went right out there to face the giant. You know, he said, God's gonna, God is my refuge. He's my strength. He's my ever-present help in my time of need. So he's already, and then what did he begin to tell Saul? God prepared me way back there for this situation up here, Providence. I killed a lion and a bear. If a lion comes in and takes one of my sheep, I go out there and grab him by the jaws. I just rip him apart. Whoa, okay. All right, okay, big boy. Go out there and face Bigfoot and see what he, you know, what, what's up. And David did. He, it, was uncom- it was uncomfortable. It was uh, a little bit scary and all that. But, but you see, the difference was they, when David put his trust in God as his shelter, as his safe place, he wasn't worried about it. I mean, what, what can you do to me? You know, you can, you know, if you kill me, you can't eat me, <laughs> you know, and I'll just rise again. I mean, or whatever it's going to take. But I am, you know, God's my strength. He's my protection. So I'm not worried about this. And that's what he did. But, boy, you know, you hear him in some of these other psalms like, what happened to you, David? What's up with this? Getting all nervous. So um, escape. You know, when you choose and try to figure out, a way to, you know, get away from these things, then you're going to be depressed, discouraged, disappointed. And, you know, you'd think that, well, everything's all right. But, no, it doesn't. It leaves you disappointed to the point of, of the uh, depression. So uh, then the third thing that happens when you choose the wrong, the wrong refuge is destruction. You know, you, you, you kind of distance yourself from God. You 
what should have made you happy. The goal was happiness right now. You're not happy. You're disappointed. You're, uh, you're discouraged, full of depression. And now, choosing these, a different refuge can bring about destruction. Self-sabotaging behavior. Did you know sometimes that people do that just uh, subconsciously? They do they, but it's somehow another, and you know, the more you give in to Satan and his tricks, his lies, the more you buy into those things, it's like the, the further you go into them, uh, um, and sometimes you begin to do things that sabotage your own life and, and your purpose in life. Um, you know, I think everybody messes up every once in a while. It's like, man, what did I do that for? Now then, it messed this up, up here, you know? Uh, but, you know, accidents and things like that happen, but... Um, Behavior is self-sabotaging when it attempting to solve or cope with a problem. You begin, uh, it says it instigates new problems, you know. When self-sabotaging behavior is when you're trying to solve a problem, you end up creating other problems down here. It begins to interfere with long-term goals and unsettled relationships. Uh, when, and here's some self-sabotaging relation, uh, uh, behavior. Uh, shopping. Can be one. I thought we'd start there first. Yeah, well, things are just going crazy, so I think I'll just go shopping. And so then, you know, um, I, I can't think about all the bills we have to pay. I just makes me just so uncomfortable. I'm just going to go to the mall. <laughs> oh boy, you thought you're, that'll work out good when you get your. Well, I'll just pay it with a credit card. One of our kids one time we were doing something and they asked for, I don't even know what it was. And so, well, you know, we don't have any money. Well, just use a credit card. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you don't have money, just use a credit card. That, that's the way to solve it. Some people think, I guess that's what they do. And so that can be something that draws you away so you escape from the problem, but you're creating a bigger problem. How about relationships? So, you know, he's always, uh, he's always, Fighting him and his wife are always fighting this and that, whatever. And um, he goes to work, and, and here she is over here. They're having all kinds of problems or whatever. But, boy, you know, together it just feels like just things are so different. And, boy, if, you know, if we could just talk. It seems like it just takes me away from all of my problems over here. I can just escape over here. And when I'm in your presence, it's just she just says, oh, my goodness, you know. When we're, when we're talking or, or uh, whatever it is, you know, texting, and whenever we're talking, uh, oh, it just seems like all my problems go away. Yeah, well, you're just making bigger problems. Um, what are some other things, some other self-sabotaging behavior? Hmm? Going to the bar, yeah. So you're just going to... Uh, Drink, drink your, yeah. Some people do go into oh, uh, binge eating. And so, um, you know, that's, that's creating some problems as well. Uh, did I mention video games? <laughs> people can escape into video games. Um, TV. I'll just watch another TV program. And then it's just like you begin to sing those old hymns. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. No, you, can't, you can't get me off this couch, man. I got another one here. And, uh, what was it they do? Um, you can go on Netflix and you can watch. What do they call that? You watch all these? Huh? Binge watching. 
Yes, so here you go, and and you're not getting anything done, and so you're creating more problems because you should have been out there doing whatever, Um, and now you're not, so the problems are just growing. When I was, um, when we were working on uh, our internship for a chemical dependency counselor at the Institute for Living, I had one group there that I was overseeing, and there was a young man in there, he was a crane operator. And he made, um, I think it was like $80 an hour. So he had gotten into um, uh, using cocaine as a recreational drug. And then before long, he was uh, taken off on Fridays so he could begin his little um, escapade. And um, then he'd miss Monday so he's, you know, getting to where he can go to work on Tuesday so he could hurry up and get off on Friday again and go through it all again. Wow. I'll drink to that. <laughs> I just looked at this man, this young man, uh, sharp guy. Man, he he just and he, he was just a sharp dresser. I guess you can afford to be a sharp dresser when you're making eighty dollars an hour. But that eighty dollars an hour was quickly going into all this this cocaine, self sabotaging behavior. You escape from the problems that you think are so pressing, but what you're escaping into causes so many more problems. Relationships break up. It doesn't just affect just uh, maybe that the husband and wife over here. It affects the, the family and their friends and the church and the community. And it just keeps, keeps going more and more and more. Um, so behavior, self-sabotaging behavior. And it brings about destruction. Satan, he, Jesus tried to tell us, he says, um, you know, the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Come that you might have Zoe, the God kind of life. And if you have the God kind of life, when that, prompt, when that challenge, that trial comes, hey, I can overcome it because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. It shall quicken my mortal body. It, it will bring to life the Zoe life into this mortal body that now I, am, uh, I'm, I have the spiritual power to overcome these things. Wow. But we can't, we don't, somehow or another it doesn't process Well, then here's three results in taking the right refuge. And I've kind of maybe drifted some of it in. Uh, By the way, though, um, before I leave from there, about this self-sabotaging behavior, in Proverbs 18.10, it says, The name of the Lord is a fortifier or fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. The, the name of the Lord is a fortified, it's a safe place, and they, the righteous run to it, and they are safe. That's what we need to run to him, not to run away from these situations, the problems, and run into something that's going to be worse. Did I forget to mention recreation uh, can be a self-sabotaging thing as well? You can get so caught up into your hobby that your hobby begins to control you and you've just left all these other things and you're not getting anything else done. You're not paying attention to your family. You're not being the husband that you need to be. Uh, be. You're not you know, spending time with, the, with your kids the way that you ought to because now you're all engaged in this thing that once was just recreation and a hobby has become a control and such a competitive thing that's, uh, that's crazy. I saw this. I, I liked... I saw this, um, it's a series called, I think it's called Truck Night. What is it? Yes. 
Isn't that amazing? They get these, they, it's, it's, a, it's an off-road type competition, these four-wheelers, and they, they line up, and they first start off with like five of them, and uh, they start to narrow it down. But some of these guys, they've spent thousands of dollars on these vehicles that they bring in. This one guy shows up in this new, some kind of Jeep LT or something, or I don't even know what was all behind, but, you know, they're raised up, and, I mean, that stuff doesn't come cheap, you know. Might have been a hobby at one time. Now he's uh, spent the mortgage and everything else. He probably got a second lien on the house to get this Jeep the way that it needs to be or the truck the way that, you know, that it needs to be. And uh, so they go out here, and these guys talk about tearing up a vehicle. They sure are. And uh, so, you know, they spend all that money, which used to be, like I said, used to be a hobby. Now this thing so consumed them that they don't have money for anything else. Now they've got to fix this other thing. I'm just talking about just stupid things that Satan will just kind of like drag you along. Oh, you like that? Come on. Well, we're going to get more. And then and it's like deeper. And, and, then, and then you can't, that doesn't satisfy, you know, because my goal is to be happy, right? That's what I'm supposed to, I'm going to be i got to be just happy and satisfied. Well, that's no longer satisfying, so I've got to have a bigger this and a bigger that and a newer here and whatever because I'm competing more. And here we go, and Satan just laughs at it because we're choosing things that bring satisfaction. We think it's a false satisfaction. It's a false happiness, and it just leaves you uh, distant from God, and it leaves you disappointed and depressed, and it'll leave you destroyed when he gets finished with it when Satan gets finished with you. Three results of in taking the right refuge. Back to Psalm 46, 1. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. I mean, just think about that just for a second. I mean, you read past it and then, hey, earth giving way and, well, these sinkholes, have you seen any of those things where they, it starts out these sinkholes, so they spread out and houses are falling in? And, and you know, he says, hey, you know, do you worry about even, If all that stuff happens and it's just like just collapsing in front of you, he says, um, we don't have to worry about that. Therefore, we will not fear. If the earth gives way, if the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, hey, we don't worry because God is our refuge. Now, that's some confidence. That's some assurance. That's some satisfaction. That's some peace of mind we were trying to run from, from this uncomfortable situation. So the very first result of taking the right refuge or choosing God as our refuge is strength. But it's not just any kind of strength. This is a spiritual type of strength that comes. It's, uh, the, the way that this is used in the Hebrew, it indicates uh, the defense, the strength of a fortified tower. He says, um, the Lord is your strength. He says, he's, he's our refuge and strength. It's a fortified tower that's in, impenetrable. You can't, you can't access it. You know, you're in that safe place. More than just a little tornado hideout in Oklahoma. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about a fortified place out here, which is God. Strength, it, this word is used uh, as the Lord, uh, it depicts the Lord as one's strength. So, it, who is he? Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. <laughs> I mean, but it, it, he's inferring here that he is my strength. I mean, literally, when you come against me, you're coming against the Lord. And how did that work the last time for you, devil? I mean, he, it says there that he 
uh, descended and, and he led the capt- captives free, set the captives free, but it says he stripped him, stripped Satan of his power, took the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and he, he paraded him through to all the other demons out there looking and said, this is your king? This, I'm, I'm adding that in there, but that's, this is your king? And he made, it says he made a show of him openly. He openly disgraced uh, Satan before all of the other, those fallen uh, uh, angels there, those demonic spirits. He openly disgraced Satan. He says, that's who you're serving? And he just left him there. And, and that's, who, that's who our strength is. You know? And so when Satan starts coming out for you, you know, wait a minute, you coming after me? You coming after my big brother. <laughs> How did that work out for you last time? <laughs> right? You've been to this battle before. It didn't work out so good for you. Strength. Um, it's the emotional or mental qualities necessary in dwelling with situations or events that are distressing or difficult. A lot of words there, but it just basically saying all these events that are distressing and difficult and all this stuff. It is a, not only a physical strength, but it's a, an emotional and mental strength. Psalm 62.5, my soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation, my hope is in you. My soul, my mind, my will, my emotions. This mental strength, this emotional strength where it's like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. And emotionally people get, you know, uh, they're shot. (laughs) You know, uh, the Lord is my strength. He's my emotional strength. I'm strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It's also the capacity of an object or substance to withstand great force or pressure. So we would be the object or substance. So he gives us this capacity, a greater capacity to withstand greater force or pressure. When you've done all to stand, stand therefore. You know, having on that armor of God, you can take your stand. No matter what he throws against you, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not of this world. They are mighty through God, through the pulling down of strongholds, through the demolishing of strongholds. I'm talking about strength here, power. So God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. He's our help. Hmm, I like that. Not only is he our strength, when we choose him as our refuge, he's our strength, but he's also our help. Help. What is help? (laughs) It's when somebody gives you some assistance. You know, they, they help you out. That's what he does. He helps us out. He is an ever present help. What does that mean? Ever present. It's, here's what, how it comes out to the Hebrew, what this combination means. When we turn to God for help or protection, then it's, it, he begins to release us. He's there. It's a, a type of help that is a, a tried, a known help, an experienced help that, uh, that you know that he's going to be there, so you trust him to be there, and he's this type of help that always shows up. You know, I mean, he's that faithful help. It's an ever-present help, a present, literally found by experience to be so. If if that makes any kind of sense, that's the definition they give. Basically, one whom we have found to be so, one that we have discovered through past experiences to help us out. I like those old testimony services. God, he never failed me yet. He's never failed me yet. And so that's why it's good to hear. He's never, I've found him to be 
helpful. I found him to help no matter what it is that I'm going through. When I have given it to him and I trust in him, I am resting in him. I found that he is my help. It doesn't look like the kind of help that I need. It's like the guy that's, uh, you know, he fell off this cliff, 80 foot drop below him, and he's hanging on to a root on the side of this, uh, you know, it's dirt cliff, and he's hanging on to this root, and the, it's starting to give way, and he feels it. He said, Help! Oh man, it's, the root's coming out of him. Help! This voice looks, calls, calls down from heaven. Yes, my son, I will help thee. God, okay, help me, he says. Turn loose of the root. Is there anybody else up there? <laughs> I don't like this refuge. I want another one. <laughs> That's not a good plan. <laughs> Do you trust me? <laughs> help. I need help. He's that kind of help, though, that you know to be so that he helped you. Turn loose of the, the, of the root. We fall in. He, he grabs you and says, you know what? I know he'll help me because he's helped me before. Hmm. So even if what he, the instruction that he gives you, you don't like, trust him. Trust him. That's what makes it miraculous. Because it's, it's like, no, that couldn't be. Well, yeah, but it is. It's documented. So if he helped me then, he'll help me now. Okay, so he's an ever-present help. He's not a yesterday help only. And he's not sometime help way up there, maybe. He is an ever-present help, Neil. It's not like, I need him now. He's there. Not like, okay, well, uh, hang on. We'll see. I got a few others in line in front of you, but I'm working on this. You know, so hold on. What? I'm hanging by a thread here. You know, I need it now. He is the on-time help. He is the right-now help. He's the help that I need. He is my ever-present help. Oh, I don't know. I I think I need some help to help explain this because he's my ever-present help. Wow, if I trust him, if I choose him as my refuge. Help at hand, you know, right there when I need him. He's one that's, that is always near. Cannot, you can't desire a better help, nor shall we ever find the, uh, the, this type of help in anything else. That's what an ever-present help is. And then the third thing for choosing the right refuge is no fear. I've seen those shirts that says no fear. No fear. No fear, really? No fear. Psalm 46, the second verse here. Therefore we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, everything's falling apart. All around me, everything's falling apart. I don't have to fear. I don't have to fear because it's not. Usually fear is of the unknown or is certain you know, well, we think that that's going to happen. Well, we've got the evidence that that's what's going to happen. No, fear is, as they, you've seen the acrostic, you know, fear. So it's, if I can write this backwards, false evidence appearing real. It's not real. Even if it is in this, it doesn't make any difference because he can call those things that aren't as if they are. Even if it is an evidence that Satan's going to bring it, God can reverse it. I don't have to fear. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? I'm leaning on the everlasting arms here of, of the ever-present help. So I don't have to be afraid. David steps out into the arena and looks at Goliath and said, Today, I'm going to feed you to the birds. 
I'm going to cut your head off and feed you to the birds. And all the other Philistines heard that too. And so when David climbed upon him, you know, and took that big old sword and he chopped his head off and he held it up, the rest of the Philistines took off because they said, man, that guy's crazy. (laughs) They knew that it wasn't this kid that did that. It was the ever-present help that did that. Hallelujah. How do I make God my refuge then? Instead of me working all this out with my Home Depot refuge, my do-it-myself type thing, I'm going to choose, I don't like that one, I'm going to choose me another one. How do I make him my refuge? Ask. Just ask him. Psalm 62, 7. My salvation And my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. What? Pour out your hearts to him. Pour out your Ask him. Ask him. God, you're my refuge. Will you be my refuge? Will you be my... And he says, yes. I've already... Yes. I already answered that. You just need to add the amen to this. You need to add your agreement. I am your refuge. I am your strength. I am. Yes. So he's, he says, you know, that's the way it's always been. What has to change is I, as I ask him, then I just need to accept it. Amen. Yes, you are. Hey, this is Pastor Paul Golden. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe, rate it, and review Also, you can help us to reach others by investing today at lightchristiancenter.com slash give. Thank you for joining us on LCC's podcast. God bless you and have a great day.